0: All All right, welcome welcome into an off-season edition of the Garden Report. The crew is back. We missed you guys. We miss you John. you, John. I missed it. I missed this. This was this was normal.
1: You know who I miss? I, Raptors fans. I miss Raptors fans. I miss Raptors I
0: fans. I still have a scorn for whatever we call <laughs> Heat fans. It, yeah, it, I it, don't
1: miss them. They,
0: they're, exist. They're, they're like they're like
2: Yetis. They don't exist. I was I was thinking during game one, what if the Raptors were here? I was just trying to imagine it. <laughs> we should just. <laughs> We should just tell them, you we're about yeah, during that blowout. I was like, the Raptors could be doing much better I was than they're imagining match.
0: it. Like, you have high school reunions, we should just have like a Celtics Raptors uh
2: live stream. We'll get, we'll get yeah. that next year, I think.
1: I, I'm, actually, yeah. I'm actually stunned that Bobby still has the Horford jersey, but I thought somebody would have mailed him like a Lowry or something by now.
0: Yeah, I like the red one, he, ones.
3: Say about it. he just changes watch. it without us no,
0: thinking yeah. <laughs> you're not going to notice. So as Joe Sway said, it's been, what, about a week um, with Celtics no longer playing basketball. And we do have the finals underway with the uh, – well underway, three games in. Yeah. And the, the narrative here to me is really interesting with the NBA finals, okay? with the, It's 2-1 right now, but game one, Lakers come out, they win by 100. And everyone's like, whoa. Everyone I talk to, Thank goodness the Celtics weren't in here because it would be over in four. And then, (laughs) you know, then they play shorthanded, kind of hang in there in game two, and it's fairly decent. Then you have game three where they basically are dead. No Adebayo, no Dragic. And and it's the Jimmy Butler game, the Jimmy Butler game that we were waiting for the entire heat series and never actually came that I didn't even think he had that in him. This was right. Cedric Maxwell on steroids. Get on my back and I'm going <laughs> to carry you. Yeah.
2: There, it, there was the, I mean, I wasn't around for Maxwell, but that was like 2015 LeBron. If we remember what he did in that series with yeah. Kyrie out with, uh, Kevin Love, of course, out after the Kelly Olenek incident. It was unbelievable. And to do it with no three-point attempts the way he did, <clears> all <throat> mid-range, all driving to the basket against that team, that has to be a top-10 finals performance ever, at the very least. Yeah, yeah I mean, I
0: ultimately it's going to come down to what happens in the in the series, whether or not that's going to be – Well, really they're running. going to
2: lose. They're going to lose no
0: matter well, what. Well, I mean, whether it's going to be remembered as a top 10 finals performance is if they actually turn this into a series or or win it, in which case this would be an epic, absolutely all-time finals performance. Mm -hmm. But so my question now is for you guys is how do you view it as, you know, there's no question we all conceded the Celtics, we believed were the, was the better team. I still believe the better team than the Miami Heat. But Miami clearly played better basketball and clearly deserved to win the series. So it's not worth arguing that. They outplayed the Celtics. They won that series. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. But I don't know what we're talking about here. Is it? Are we talking about the Celtics team we think they were playing at their absolute best how they would have fared against the Lakers? I think, well, I don't know that this version of this Celtics team would have done much better. So I'm still kind of torn here. I think in our minds, as a, as people who've covered the Celtics all year and for m- much of our lives, we saw what we saw this year, and it looked real. And that team played the Lakers twice, absolutely annihilated them once, and then possibly the game of the year, the one out in LA where Tatum dropped the 41, which Josue, mm-hmm. you were at, right? Right, right. You were that out there. Oh, that was an incredible, incredible game. Game. Yeah. That was an incredible game. And the the Celtics looked every bit the Lakers equal in that game. Would you agree?
3: Yeah, but there's just one difference, though. There's one thing that I saw differently in that locker room after they lost to the Los Angeles Lakers. They were as happy as I've ever seen them after a Los Angeles. And that speaks volumes to, of course, what was going on at that time. You know, it was weeks removed from Kobe's death. Being back in L.A., obviously everyone was excited to see Jason Tatum go off. In my opinion, that was that's my favorite Jason Tatum performance that I've ever seen, even though it did come in a losing effort. But, um, yeah, so that with those sort of vibes, I think it just would have been too big of a moment for them to be completely honest with you guys. Like, it was like I, I didn't see one person not smiling in that locker room. It was really odd. You know, I get it. It went down to the wire. You know, it was a tough loss, but it was the kind of atmosphere I've never seen in the Celtics locker room. After yeah, I
0: was, they really I took, took- – they really enjoyed that moral victory. Oh, yeah. definitely.
3: They were taking pictures and stuff. It was like they were in a museum. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, it was a great moment for Jason Tatum. But I just think it would have been a really big moment for them in the finals. Like, let's be honest, guys. Like, would have really been much of a difference compared to what we're seeing right now with the Miami Heat. You don't think so? How about no, How about you, Jim?
1: No, I don't think it'd be different. I mean, when when the when the Heat beat the Celtics, I joked and I said, you know, fake series, and then I said Lakers and four. I was joking about it being, you know, fake playoffs but I was serious about Lakers before I actually did think the Lakers would sweep uh, the heat. And that's not really a knock on the heat. I actually think the heat were a better matchup for the Lakers because of Butler, because of Adebayo. Now, obviously Adebayo's down, Drogix is down. So they're playing right. under man, but to watch Jimmy Butler put in, and I watched pretty much all of that game three and you know, I thought Bobby nailed it the way he explained how Butler was attacking the, attacking the rim, you know, not focused on the three point shots. And at the end of that game, as Butler was going to the rim, getting fouled, going to the line, what do we see from the Lakers? Going back down on their end and hoisting threes, and it just reminded me so much of what the Celtics, the same thing. Yeah. so yeah. much of what the Celtics got caught up in doing and trying to like tie the game up in one shot or take the lead back in one shot, and and the Lakers just slowly, you know, got out of that game, and that just reminded me so much of us where I was like, there's just no way that Celtics team that we saw, and that's the team that I'm I'm going on. I can't go by the December Celtics. I have to go by. The whatever month we're in now, yeah. September. And game October five Celtics. and Game
3: six, Celtics. Those exactly. guys exactly,
1: and that team yeah. was not clicking and not designed to roll with this Lakers team, but, who I still expect to to win. You know, five or six.
0: And I think that's how we have to view it. I think that that's the problem. Is you know, even saying that the Celtics had more talent than Miami, you're still it's the romantic version of a Celtics team that maybe didn't quite exist in this moment. Yeah. Um,
1: it's and, like and,
0: uh, a great way to put it.
3: Yeah.
1: You know, at it wasn't what you.
0: Yeah, right. Sorry,
1: I was gonna say, you, you, like, oh, you know, maybe you're in a relationship with this girl, and you just keep going back to the good old days. But like, that's right. not your relationship. We anymore. used to
0: have so much yeah. fun. I love yeah. her. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cut
0: it. yeah. Don't you remember? We did have good times. Why <laughs> right, are you right. leaving? That's you know, a great right?
2: analogy because you got to remember the negatives too. And Ken right. Walker was banged up, which we know it didn't look yeah. great at the end of the postseason run. There, he would have been a key. The way Rajon Rondo's playing, in particular, unreal. What Rondo's given that team right now? The passing, the playmaking, the steals in that Nuggets. Series in particular, he broke off like three steals and five possessions.
0: He's shooting like 50% from three. Yeah. Unreal. You're not even I not
2: that. yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: he, uh, it was incredible. It's like 47% last year. I haven't seen yeah. the last couple of games. I I don't know what it's been, but I'm He's 33 it in the series, which 10. is what it's you'd expect. Like he's only taken 10, you know.
2: That, that's yeah. what you'd expect above him as well. Now, if I'm just looking at it in a vacuum, I do think the Celtics could do things that would make it tough on L.A. I think they could throw some bigger lineups out there, like Ennis Cantor would get back into the fold against McGee and Dwight and all those guys, and that's a plus for the Celtics. That was actually the key, I thought, to the way they competed with them during the season was being able to play canter a healthy amount of minutes but i look at anthony davis and this is what we're learning from the series I'll right now to this guy is gonna be like he decides if there's any competition in the nba for years to come you see in game three he's passive he's in foul trouble that lets the heat back into it but when he's shooting when he's going inside like he can do on both ends of his game he's unstoppable i, I mean I 50. see him going in
0: the other direction, though. I think he's, he's getting softer as time he, goes on. He's 57%
2: think, from three in this series. I know,
0: but I think the the inside, him getting tough buckets inside days are gone. Well, that I think, I, happens, really? I think are likes, serious? You really are think that? It? That's I think kind of it, I think happens to it, players. I, I don't right? think you I mean, go back to that. I think as soon as you start to get comfortable, right. you know, and a lot of these bigs w- that have these skills envision themselves as threes. You know, I just happen to be tall, but I'm a wing, you know, and they like to play out there. You know, they don't want to go back in. You, we talked even before the season, Horford. What's well, that the makes it tough on teams too. I don't want to bang down there. How many guys who are taller? Yeah. Like, I don't want to play even center. Even Garnett hated playing I'm center. I'm not a center. You know? I don't want to play center.
2: You know, they Yeah, but you know it. what
3: makes it harder? If you have someone like Bam Adebayo, like, that's exactly the kind of defender he is. He'll keep him out there. But... Oh,
2: they had Jay Crowder on Davis in game one. I was like, what's going on here?
3: <laughs> I mean... I mean oh so,
2: yeah, it, it makes it tougher just, on teams in today's you, NBA.
3: You hate that he's out of the series. Like, it's just... It's disappointing. I think we get a much, you know, much more entertaining series. Yeah. yeah
2: and t- in today's NBA, yeah. it's tough to put a four on a Anthony Davis. And I think we all went crazy all year saying, "Why doesn't he play center? Why doesn't he play center?" But most teams can't match up with LeBron at the three, Davis at the four, and then a real center in there. Like they went the reverse direction of the league. Yeah.
1: That's what it comes so, down to, LeBron and Davis. I mean, there's just nobody in the Celtics that can roll with them from start to finish. I mean, yeah, you can exactly. Brad can get creative and throw Marcus Smart out there, or you know, Jalen Brown could give it his all, but at the end of the day, LeBron and AD are going to get theirs. And I just don't see anybody. I mean, well, in this case, I don't see the heat stopping them.
0: But too much, we too, too often we focus on what you're worried about that you can't stop that they do and not look at at, it the other way enough. Like, who wants to play a team with three athletic wings? You know, when Hayward is right. If the yeah, Celtics were right,
2: it's a different story. I give the matchup, Celtics the series.
0: Nightmare. Nobody wants anything to do with that cuz there's a every single time they're on the floor there's mismatches everywhere. You cannot you're always putting people in positions that they're just not comfortable doing it, you know? So a guy like Davis playing away from the basket in situations like that is a gift to a team like the Celtics, which is why I think fully they actually have a they I agree they, with that. Yeah, they could, they could have made a series, but again, we all agree. I think it comes down to that they weren't that. They, yeah, they fully healthy,
1: fully functioning. Yeah, I mean, if everyone's playing at yeah. their peak, peak potential, you have a series. Yeah. Congratulations! Right. But it like doesn't work that way. Well.
0: So Danny Ainge commented on that. He did a little bit of excuse making. I thought we'll talk about <laughs> that in a minute. Um, in, in his uh, in his press conference, I know Bobby, you were in on all of that. Uh, first, want to tell the folks at home. About our wonderful sponsor, which is everybody, everybody, car, car Shield. No, 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 say it right. Car Come on, say it right. Cash Shield. <laughs> Cash Shield. Cash Shield. Okay. Car shield's still so, around. I
1: love it.
0: Computer systems and cars are the new normal from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost a fortune, and now is not the time for expensive repairs. CarShield has an affordable protection plan that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. The people at CarShield, Shield understand payment flexibility is an absolute must. Monthly plans can be customized to your needs, rates as low as $99 a month, no long-term contracts or commitments. CarShield gives you options others don't. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They yeah, also it. offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance. CarShield has helped over 1 million customers, so drive with confidence knowing you got covered from America's number one auto protection company. Now here it is. We call this the call to action, okay? For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises, save thousands for covered repair. Call 800-CAR-6000. Mention the code GARDEN, okay?
1: GARDEN? GARDEN. 800-CAR-6000?
0: G-A-R-D-E-N, GARDEN. GARDEN for those at home. Uh, Or visit carshield.com and use the code GARDEN to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code GARDEN. A deductible may (laughs) apply. All right. We're talking about Danny Ainge a little bit. Um, He had his end of season press conference. Uh, Bobby, what did you think? I thought a little bit of excuse making where he did mention, well, we, I mean, he, he alluded to, they thought the better team than Miami. Um, These are just a couple of takeaways, my takeaways. You tell me if you had some others, but uh, the better team, but Miami won fair and square. Admitted, both Ke- both Kemba and Gordon were nowhere near right, so that played a role. And we just we talked about that, so we agree. Um, and you didn't really think depth was an issue when pressed on it, because that was really where a lot of reporters were coming at it. Like, so next year, you're going to build a team that doesn't have these. You know, losers coming off the bench. Hey, hey, hey,
3: hey, John. He's got to trade the guys. All right, he's got to, got to sell them. Got to polish them up. Yeah. Right, career,
0: right, right, right. You know? <laughs> what do you mean? We, we love these guys, and he's asked about all of them, and he didn't feel that. Um, so I, I got two takeaways here, but I want to hear your thoughts. For anybody who listened to it, read some of it, and Bobby, I know you you, you saw the whole thing. Um, you know, was you know thought Romeo would be a different player next year. We've got guys we need. Bobby, what were your takeaways from 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 what Inch had to say? Yeah, and was, again, he also went on the radio too. Said a whole bunch of other stuff. So he did his whole. Little press tour here.
2: Yeah, he gave you like an inch on things, and then he pulled it back. He waffled a lot. Like, yeah, we we were the better team, but we came back. So a lot of the stuff he said was true. But there were two revealing sentiments, I thought, about his view of the team, which is what's important here, is that we have lots of work to do on his end. Like He pressed that twice, that they have stuff to do this summer, which I don't think everyone is certain about, that they'd be able to mix things up with how many guys are locked in. And they said, we learned we're not good enough. and. Maybe that's just GM talk, but to me, it spoke of them possibly being more active than we think. And we've all brainstormed a million yeah. different things. He talked about things he wanted to do at the trade deadline, couldn't then that he still wants to do now. But
0: I, I hate that. I hate that. There isn't a GM out there who says they didn't try hard. It, you either there is no try. You do yeah. or don't do. You want a player? You want to improve? You need a big? You overspend. You're never going to get value at the trade deadline. Okay? You're a yeah. team in contention with needs. You overpay. That's how it works. Okay? You're you not getting bargains. Well, right. you know what I think Let's he's
2: talking about. There is they they always wait. do this too. They what,
0: want sorry, to. Wait, sorry, real quick, Bobby. What were you saying, Josue?
3: No, I was saying Danny's done this so many times too at the trade deadline. So right you know, we know, he knows that he has to be either all in or you don't just flirt at the table, you
2: know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so hard, I, I think hard. what he's talking about there is a buyout guy that they thought could be bought out that wasn't at that point. and that that's Tristan Thompson to me. We know they wanted him. Yeah, we know that it was a guy sense, that they expected. Right? Yeah, and now he's a free agent. So maybe he's a guy who would take a mid-level exception. He's definitely leaving Cleveland because they have Andre yeah. Drummond.
3: Robert uh, Williams and came up too. You know, Kimball Walker was pissed when he found out that uh, he decided to go to Milwaukee. So, yeah. I mean, those are the only, but those are the only names that really popped up, right? I mean they I weren't
0: really weird you know, is like every time one of these guys comes comes up and it's like, oh, it's a buyout. And we're like, that's great. Get him. And then you find out seconds later he's going somewhere else. And you're like, why? Doesn't anybody – like all of these are like perfect missing pieces for just, just what you need, like 10, 12 minutes a game. We're not even talking about like saviors. You're not looking to plug in starters at this point. But you're right. So another question here is, uh, and anybody else? Any takeaways on age before I move on? Um, I'm, I'm just
3: going to uh, squeeze in one last thing. I I, I like how you mentioned uh, Jalen Brown talking about him having an increased role. I mean, what does that mean? You know, there's only one other increment you can think of, and that's honestly what we're talking about after the uh, after the Celtics were eliminated. So either Danny watches our game, you know, our, our post game show, or it's something that's been discussed. Everybody watches post game. You know? No, but that's true.
0: We agree there. I think that that's almost like that could have been a nudge to Brad. Like, so we have have guys who we want to be the centerpieces of the franchise. And in order to do that, everybody's got to understand that. Jalen and Jason are the guys, you know, and then we—it's the hierarchy we talked about at the end of uh, Game Six, exactly. and it really throughout a lot of the series, a lot of the postseason is establishing a hierarchy where Marcus Smart doesn't take 22 shots, and Jalen Brown has the ball in his hands a little bit more, and we're not wondering, you know, you know, why he just took 11 shots, you know, like it—we mm-hmm. can't, you can't have that anymore, and maybe that's one of, you know, maybe that's what he's alluding to there, because Jalen's going to get better because he's going to get better. He's still young and you assume Tatum is as well. So really it comes down to the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that. The other thing thing I wanted to ask is, uh, and actually someone wrote this on Celtics blog, Bobby. uh, So I'll throw it out to you first. Now the the consensus opinion seems to be let's get older, which is to say a lot of young talent. You need a few vets. Everyone was like, a James Posey, PJ Brown type would be great in this situation, okay? But not those guys, right? But everyone right. loves that shit, you're right? right. Posey right. and Brown. Those are Watermaker's right. not old enough for you? Watermaker's going to go, probably. But anyway, yeah. how old is Watermaker? Is he 40, he's 40? He's 30. <laughs> <laughs> up, he's got
1: those European travel years on him, though. <laughs> he's, he's got a
0: weathered look on
1: his face. He's a hard
2: 30. He was a 29 year old rookie. Unreal. That's a hard 30. <laughs> but
1: anyway, he's got a lot of mileage uh, the, on him.
0: The argument is, in, in place of guys like that, would you would you opt for like like a, a Harry Giles type, you know, like projects, you know, like guys who have yet to not exactly him. He was mentioned, but I mean right. that kind of younger tier that maybe they didn't hit their marks. But, you want another project, John? <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm asking you guys. All right. So, you know, yeah. Which that's the right play.
2: I, I think Jeff Clark went in the direction of let's get older and Bill Sy back the youth movement. I think we're just talking reality right now is this is the shift Kendrick Perkins has talked about on our network uh, specifically is that the league values younger players now because they're cheaper. And that's why the Celtics went in the direction they did because Grant, uh, Romeo, those type of guys can be cheaper deals on a team that's about to get killed in luxury tax. And I know they're happy – going into the tax they're about to do that obviously with tatum's extension coming but you got to have cheaper guys to balance that out to some degree and they have no choice now either like the only guys that they could sign specifically uh, would either be a five or you know three and a half million dollar mid-level extension guy or consolidating like three four players in the one more expensive player and then you don't have bodies like they right now they have more bodies at cheaper prices rather than one a little more expensive yes
0: but the worst, the the most squeezed uh, population in the NBA is the middle class, really. You know, and the aging veteran, with well, there's nothing there for those guys. Yeah. You're not just shelling out 10, 12, 14, 15 million for these guys. So they're lucky to get what they can get. And obviously, second, yeah. low first round picks like Grant and those guys, that's fine. But, you know, they've got three more of those coming in, too. So you're right. I mean, the youth seems a little bit unrealistic to go, you know. To to, to 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 go there you definitely need some grown-ups i would i would say
3: yeah and that's why i think the the age group maybe i don't know 22 to 25 something like that i don't think they want to go completely you know uh either end of the spectrum right they don't want to go one of the aging veterans that's just trying to latch on for one more title run nor do you want to go uh, a guy who was a year or two in the league i, I think what you meant don was the, the harry giles thing is is that sort of player right someone has a few years under their belt you know, low cost, high reward type of guys. That's what I mean. These guys like that all the time. I mean, Isaiah Thomas and, and, you know, guys mid-season where he's come come along deals that were sort of like, okay, this guy, we'll see how he works out. And all Belichick, of a sudden, you got like, picked on perfectly.
0: Yeah, Belichick does this in football. They call it like second drafting, you know? Like guys I might have liked coming out that went somewhere. But let's and see never where they know. go in a few years, right? You yeah. never know that like just – the the system they were in, the coach, the situation may have been the reason they didn't reach their potential as much as whatever it is that's going on with them. And if you get them somewhere else, maybe you have a chance to develop them in a way that they didn't have a chance to be developed elsewhere. Yeah, I, I like that concept. It doesn't always work. But I to me, I always like the promise. It feels like a lottery ticket. And I know we have a lot of them that they're trying to cash in. But I love those high pedigree guys that didn't quite pan out to see if you can catch lightning in a bottle there. I, so I mean, I can see a mix of both theoretically. I don't want I don't just want to get just a bunch of old men to come in here to serve some roles because at the end of the day, you need some but, I mean, just a little. Yeah, I mean, they didn't need much of it this year, you know?
1: I think they needed – I think that's what they were sorely lacking was the veteran presence in the playoffs because they weren't – you know, when you look at the, a team like the Heat, just throw the Heat out there. I mean, they had a lot – they had a nice mix of young players. I mean, you got Hero
2: Iguodala.
1: Exactly, Iguodala. But that was, that was oh, cheating by Iguodala. We're not going to talk about that because he forced his way onto the Heat by refusing to play for the Grizzlies, by the way. Uh, but even like a guy like Dragic, he's a great player, but he's a he's an yeah. older player and he's a, a guy that they can depend on. I mean, look at the Lakers. They're a team filled with veterans. So that's a team that's on a, sort of a different end of the spectrum. But they have reliable guys who have been around the league for a while. They're coming off the bench or even the starting a lineup. Um, you know, you could you can go from really from top to bottom with proven, proven players. But the Celtics, right. listen, it's not just through free agency where you can where you can uh you know, take a stab at a guy who maybe hasn't had the, the how start. You can find them in trades, too. I mean, I'm sure there's been recent trades. But, I mean, you mentioned Isaiah Thomas, but to a lesser extent, I mean, look at the Dallas Mavericks trades, you know, when when the Celtics traded Rondo, um, you know, Dwight Powell going to the to the Mavericks, you know, Jay Crowder coming to the Celtics. Like, those are players that maybe didn't really do much on their teams prior to the trades, but sort of blossomed after that. So it's out there. This, and Danny Ainge, that's, that's what he has to figure out is, what players on his team are expendable sure. that he can trade and get back and the guys who understand their role? Because if he's talking about Jalen Brown stepping up, and we already know Jason Tatum's going to step up, Kemba Walker has a role. He needs to bring in players who understand their role and maybe at the same time are a little bit undervalued. Yeah. Okay. It's, hard. Well, I mean- it's obviously difficult, but I mean, it can be done. I think that's his biggest biggest hurdle is offseason.
2: You need a Udonis Haslam to make a big rah-rah oh, speech across oh, the skyline, oh, and that
1: that could have changed those, everything. Those guys, will, I'm not really so much worried about like the Haslams or like the P.J. Browns because those guys will most likely be if you put yourself in a position to be one or two or three come trade deadline or you know come after a bio season, you're gonna be able to pick up a guy or two that's right. gonna be a veteran. Yeah, exactly.
3: That's what people don't understand. Be a veteran like that, right? Right. Yeah, sorry not to cut you off, but yeah, that's what people don't understand, Jimmy. It's like those guys come along because they're attracted to the team that's about to win the championship, right? They know that this team has a really good right. chance. and They say, you know what? I want to join those guys. And believe it or not, I think the Celtics have done that to a certain extent, especially with that age group that Danny Ainge and the Celtics are certainly targeting. Guys who have been in the league you know, three, four years and, and are looking for a team that can sort of a, a role that they they can shine in and maybe they're clinging on to whatever's left to, uh, of them sticking around in the NBA. Maybe they're in one of those situations where they're not sure they're going to get a contract. Maybe it's a free agent or maybe it's a guy with a year or two left who is just not getting enough playing time and is right. looking for a trade. Yeah.
1: And there's some right. free agents that hung on late. I mean, Jr. Smith is kind of a joke, but, I mean, a guy like Jamal Crawford. I mean, there's, there are some players out there that do stick – they do stick it out a little bit and wait sort of position themselves to find the right team. The Celtics need to have the roster spots. If they have eight more rookies or, you know, second year players on their roster. Then, yeah, that's a problem. You, know, you already know, that's the problem. That, yeah,
0: that, I mean, I think packaging picks is an obvious thing
2: or kick the can down the road, trade them for futures. Right. You can't have them all here, okay? But yeah, the dream I, is moving up, but 26 and 30 aren't doing it probably. So that was yeah. the other it's interesting thing. That yes. was the other interesting thing Ainge talked about was that draft approach. Like they could either go younger, which isn't gonna, which isn't gonna excite too many people, or they could fit in a guy at a need position. Like yeah. you left if, all options open there. If you can't move up, trade out into into the future,
0: and that pick is better somewhere down the road. I'd be looking to trade these picks for like to teams for like twenty twenty four first round draft picks. You know, like. Get them way out there and see if you hit a home run there where that team completely falls apart. Uh, If you um, uh,
1: draft Bronny James, who knows? And then LeBron comes to Boston for –
2: This is a hard draft because, you know, when you talk talk about John there (laughs) in the future, everybody's waiting – Everybody's waiting for that high school class to finally. Like, high um, school kids. Any yeah. any draft in the future is better
0: than this draft. This yeah. is like the worst draft Oh, though. this
2: is a tough one. This is a oh fourteen two. This is like Angel's nightmare. <laughs> fourteen.
0: It's like having it's like having a thirty and two second rounders right now. So um we, but uh, conversely, because nobody knows who's good, you could theoretically get
2: the player of the draft at 14. You know, you I need... think I think you could get the player of the draft at seven. I really like Vassell and um, yeah. Isaac Okoro there from Auburn. I think the player of the draft is going to be one of those middle guys, actually, like you said.
0: Last story I want to cover here. Uh, moving on, uh, another national story. I, I, I predicted it. I said it. You I did. don't know if it was on a text chain or on the, text. on the air here. But as yeah, soon as Rivers one. got fired – it was like, Philly, it seemed to make too much sense. And apparently everybody on the planet had the same exact idea at the same time. And I mean, I think he had the job like minutes later. I mean, that was just bing, bang, boom. You want to coach? Yes, done. Um, <laughs> he hung up
1: one phone. And so
0: much for that year time. off. It literally was like, uh-huh, that's cool. Fired, huh? Okay, <laughs> hold on, you know. Boom. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, I can put you on hold for a second. I got to take this Sixers job. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So that was obvious, uh, I thought. And I actually think it's a pretty good fit um, there.
2: You don't think so? So they were going after D'Antoni. I'm a noted Mike D'Antoni fan. I like the way he works with the wings, like a Ben McLamore in Houston. I love what those Houston teams did, even though they were much maligned, even though they had some disappointing finishes in the West Finals. I thought he did something special there with a team that didn't have a ton around its start. Uh, so I think that's what exactly what Philadelphia needed. More of a modern, wing oriented offense, spread the floor out around Simmons. But Doc, like has Doc innovated much over the last decade? Has he has he sh- shooken up a situation? All I can remember in LA is him signing Glenn Davis and all these old school guys and running such an old school system. Like that's what we see in Philadelphia already. Like uh, too big, too slow pace in the half court, not enough shooting. I don't yeah. know if doc can shake that up with what they have, if they don't shake it up via trade. And we already know their GM limitations. Well,
0: what's interesting to me is, uh, well, I want to get just wait. Let's get your thoughts first.
3: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I agree with Bobby. I don't know if D'Antoni would have been the guy to fix things, but um, this is a tough one because, you know, Philadelphia, obviously Joel Embiid, I, I like the dynamics of maybe that, that relationship blossoming into something special, maybe someone that Joel Embiid needs at this point in his career. But for the rest of the team in terms of fixing that offense and what's going on there, I mean, can he get Ben Simmons to shoot? Uh, what sort of offense is he going to run with someone like Joel Embiid in there? Is he able to fix that? Is... Someone like Doc Rivers, does he connect with these younger players? I don't know. That's something that I've been asking myself for the last three or four years when I look at the teams that he had in L.A. And you're like, what happened there? What was going on? Now, because of that, because of what happened, does that motivate him? Does that make him you know, snap out of it? Does that make him more focused? Is Doc as motivated as he used to be? Obviously, he's not as motivated as the guy who was chasing his first championship. But sometimes I just wonder, is that guy, is his heart still truly in it? And this is a really tough situation in terms of pressure and – uh, high expectations. You know, this isn't like the New Orleans Pelicans. who had, You know, I thought that could have been a possibility, a, a, maybe a better chance for him to sort of, you know, gradually work his way up and really mold a team from the bottom, or at least that's not even at, they're not at the bottom, but almost there, or at least a playoff team. So I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough situation. Again, let's remember, guys, prior to the Clippers situation, this was a guy who was considering taking a few years off and, and just sort of stepping away from coaching because it was a lot. You know, this was seven years yeah. ago. It's, All this traveling, how much of that is, has changed? And if this thing doesn't work out in one or two years, I don't know, guys. I mean, how long does Philly give Doc here? I know it's a five-year deal, but, I mean, do they shake things up completely? Is Doc and the coach moving forward no matter what? It's just a lot of question marks. gave him a big deal.
0: I, but I just like it because, like I said, it's, you know, I, I think NBA coaching is overrated at times, okay? Um and I think Doc is one of those relationship coaches where he, generally speaking, he's got fairly peaceful locker rooms. He always has respect of players, okay? Um, because, you know, he's uh, the ex player uh, sort of thing. I think that's what Philly needs more than somebody to tell him, you go here and you go here. I think they need to kind of get along better and just play in a bit right. more of a harmonious way. Uh, I think zone. Doc commands yeah. the room to. To a degree. That's more why I think it works. It's not because de- I hate system coaches. I hate Danton.
2: like I hate those coaches. Hey, you almost beat the Warriors twice. <laughs> Johnny, no, that's he, not a small thing. He like, he, Bobby. He's got so mad. I'm yeah, not he a system watch. I don't like in any
0: sport a guy saying I play this system regardless of what well, i you Brad Brad. <laughs> you will learn my way and do it this way, even if I don't have the bodies here. You coach what you've got. You coach the situation. You coach the people. You coach the talent. And you coach everybody differently, okay? And that's, that's the coach that I prefer. I do agree. Doc's not Mr. X's and O's, strategist guy. I mean, Jesus, even before the Celtics won the title, the knock on Doc in those teams before was he was going down to Orlando to watch his kids play and golf every weekend and canceling practice and giving excuses to the media like, oh, they've worked hard enough. It's like, no, you just <laughs> wanna go. You just wanna get out of town. You know, like Doc's <laughs> never been one of those like I'm going to fall asleep at my desk looking at film and stuff like that sort of coaches. It's yeah. not his thing. But- so,
2: I mean, what are you going to get here? You're going to have a lot of Embiid post-ups. You're going to have Simmons running his pay. It's going to be the same thing, more or less. Yeah, I don't It falls on Brand. Oh, great. It falls on Brand. <laughs>
0: or, first off, you should have probably fired Brand, brought in a GM to decide to hire Doc or someone else. And But now I think you're just going to roll with it. I think what they've decided is – we're not going to we're not gonna move Simmons or Embiid. We're going to make this thing work. We need oh, to run back. On. These guys yeah. figure out how to play right. together.
1: Yeah, John, you, you literally cut me off from the points, people making points, and then took all my points. I agree with you completely. <laughs> I agree with you completely. I think Doc was brought in because what happened when the Sixers got smoked by the Celtics? Everyone said... It's not working between Embiid and Simmons. Obviously, we knew Brett Brown was getting fired, but they have to get rid of one or the other. They can't keep both. Who should they keep? And then everyone's saying, "Oh, they should keep this person." They keep. It's like, no. First of all, you're, you're you you can not trade either one of those guys now, right now because you're now you're trading from not from a position of power, and you have to make you have to at least make every intention to make this thing work. And I think Doc Rivers is that type of coach. He's worked with not worked with, but he's coached so many stu- superstars in this league and like John said he's you know for the most part I mean listen you're dealing with divas and you're dealing with superstars heads are you know you know people are going to collide here and there but generally speaking they're they get along they you know they play well together um you know they're not winning championships but just way I disagree with you in the sense that you know Dog doesn't feel like he has anything to prove I actually think he's got a. I I think he feels he has a ton to prove now because of the difficulty, yeah. He's he did. Had coaching. Oh, no. I didn't
3: say nothing not to prove it. I'm like, is his heart still in it, though? You know, is he his passion? I mean, Do you see the I, same
2: dog that we saw in Boston. I don't,
1: I don't think know. You can fake it in Philly. I think you have to have the passion, you have to have the fire. And I think he does want to say, hey, I was able to make this work when nobody, you know, when, when, when they were wanting to blow up the team or trade this guy, I was able to make this work. The talents there. It's just a matter of getting these guys to play together. Right. He's got some. He's got some depth. You know, Al Horford could you know maybe come back to life a little bit and help him out. Oh, I forgot
2: about him. Oh, good yeah, luck, so, Doc. <laughs> uh,
1: it's not going to be easy, but I think Yo, it's, Ari, I think it's right it crazy. He's right there, Horford. I also think Sorry, it's the Celtics Sixers rivalry. I mean, a little Celtics Sixers rivalry right there. That you know another level now.
0: At the very least, I'm just happy we have Doc back in our lives in a little bit that's more. That's going right. to be great. Yeah. And th-
2: that's it to some degree, too. You talk about him, oh, maybe I want to retire or something like that. That's what gets you a four-year deal when you're as big of a name as him that, all right, maybe I won't coach. Maybe you won't have the opportunity to pick me right now Philadelphia. So they jump on and make a more aggressive offer. And now all of a sudden, Doc's going to be getting paid by two teams for two years. So go Doc.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm excited yeah. to see what happens between him and Ben Simmons. I think I'm, I'm getting uh, flashbacks of, you know, when Rondo was just so scared to even take a jump shot wide open. Remember those days, guys? Like, I think something between him and Doc was able to sort of make things click or at least build that sort of confidence. I think, again, to your point, John, he's that kind of coach. He can build that sort of confidence, that one on one relationship. Yeah. Um, so
0: I'm and excited to see what happens between him
1: and Ben Simmons. Yeah, so he, he and might so be able that's get why I'm like veterans.
0: It. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Jimmy.
1: I was going to say, you know, Doc's a coach that I think players like and, and like to play for. And maybe he's able to recruit a couple of guys that can sort of come in and fill those bench roles and maybe be a positive influence on, on a Simmons or an Embiid. But I think it's a personality. I think it's more of a, listen, we know these guys are talented and capable of, but yeah. it's more of a mental thing, that, getting them to, to mesh and gel and, and maybe become more professional.
2: On that point, too. He coached Tobias Harris, which is easy to forget. And Harris was outstanding on the Clippers. So that might be part of the thinking here, too. Good point. So Doc's back. We're
0: happy to have him to a degree. We get to see. I think it spices up the Celtics Sixers rivalry. So maybe a lot of my. That's opinion- great. He
2: needed to be in the league. That's not a guy that could be out of the league, especially at this time right now.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. I, 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 and right. There's a lot of good reasons for Doc to be in the league, too. Um, you know, and and we sure. have a bias because he was a, an amazing coach to cover. I loved going to Waltham, going to games, listening to Doc. He acted, he just, as a media member, he knows your name. He, you know, he makes you feel good right. about yourself. Like he's really, it's just oh, a great Oh, now sort of, we
2: know why John said off. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a great, great guy to be around. He's a
0: great guy. He's just a great guy. These are job saving performances, you know, that he would, he, his ability to do this kept him alive in Boston and allowed him to coach that 2018, team, which, which is his legacy, you know? He was a goner, but he was so good with the media and so affable that yeah, he just so stuck cute. around. Yeah, every know?
3: time I see Dog, like if you greet him, he's the kind of guy, he'll greet you back as yeah. if he knows you. And I'm like, yeah. Dog, you don't know me, man. You don't have to pretend like, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's like hey, what's up, man? It's like, oh, man, we never met before. Yeah. It's
0: and that's why he gets a free ride in the media a lot, and he's got a small point. He's got he got us mesmerized a little bit, so he probably gets a little more credit than he deserves. Yeah, but, especially in Boston, right? Especially in Boston, but still, uh, happy that he's still in the league. Happy to see us get to play him, um, you know. And and I think it just adds a little flavor and spice he's, to the rivalry.
1: He's making yeah. his way back to towards Boston
0: a little mean, bit, right? We know what's going to
1: happen it's next. How his success goes in Philly, how Brad finishes
0: yeah. uh, out his run. Yeah. Uh, Before we sign off, again, I just want to tell everybody at home, uh, segment is presented by CarShield, America's number one auto protection company. Call 800-CAR-6000. Mention the code. Got it. Garden. Thank you, Garden. Visit carshield.com. G-A-R. Use the code Garden to save 10%. Um, guys, it's good. It's fun hanging out. We did it again. It's good we to got- be back we got a couple more of these this week, so we'll keep them coming. Celtics rumors, who knows what's out there. We've talked about Gordon Hayward. We've talked about Marcus Smart. We'll see. It's going to start really picking up fast and furious, certainly right after the NBA Finals end. Uh, we'll talk about the NBA Finals. draft, fi- NBA. November 18th, sent in now. Bobby, I'm counting on you for that because uh, – Me too.
1: I don't don't touch the draft. Okay. (laughs) Hey, guys, you guys will do mock drafts.
0: Syracuse is Elijah
2: Hughes. Bank on it. (laughs) Bobby, we're counting on you, buddy. So start. Hey, Um, I'll also say subscribe to the the Garmin audio version. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, all those different places as well. You can listen to us in the car. Yep, that's coming right out. Um, And
0: that's going to do it for this episode of The Garden Report. Josue Pavone from Heavy.com covering the Celtics, bringing you written coverage throughout the offseason and into next season. Jimmy Toscano, Bobby Manning, CLNS, Media and Celtics blog. We will see you guys.